0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. It's like round two. Let's go. Shot of water, keep rolling. You know, this morning when I looked at all the things that I had on my list of things to do and things to accomplish. I woke up being mindful that God's grace is always sufficient. And if you think pastors don't work hard, come and spend a day with me. After an hour, you'll want to go back to whatever you normally do. Um, you know, there is a, there's something special and significant that God wants to do this morning. Now, I think it's up to you to receive it, avoid it, or to reject it. Because nonetheless, I'm going to preach the truth of God's word to you. And it says in scripture, it is to the degree of the heart that man receives. We know that the word works. This this is the seed of God's word. But it says if it falls on fertile soil, which that talks about a receptive heart this morning, it says it can birth forth to life and and produce an abundant harvest. Now, some of you are living today by seeds planted in your heart, you are already receiving that harvest. But it's up to you today with what you do with this word. Uh, God really put it on my heart to go through an evangelism series, focusing on the tools and what do we need to be successful in this life. Um, so how many of you remembered what we discussed last week? The gospel, the gospel. okay, how about that? So what is the gospel? Jesus. Put that other slide up. Okay, hold on. Don't put the slide up. What is the gospel, though? It's the good news. Anybody pulling out their card yet, or they already lost it? James is reading it on his phone. He said, I took a picture of it. Put that slide up for him. We're going to read it one more time. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that I should have lived. And died the death I should have died in my place, in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he was the son of God and offering salvation and forgiveness of sins for everyone who repents and believes in him. Y'all got that yet? I mean, that's some good stuff. So if you're like, what in the world's going on? Listen to the podcast. Okay, this, this I believe is the best summary, simplified summary of what the gospel is. You know, if somebody ever asks, "What is the gospel?" we know what the gospel is, but this specifies all of the aspects of the gospel. We passed out some cards. I don't know if we have any more in the back. If we still have some, grab one. If you didn't get one last week, have that kind of in your possession. If somebody asks, you have the answer for them. So the gospel. So great job. How many of you struggled with it? How many of you need a little bit more work on on, on memorizing that? We want to have an answer when people ask. So this morning we're gonna continue our evangelism series and we're gonna focus on the blood. Now last week I mentioned real quick we were gonna focus on the blood. Um, when we look at Jesus and the cross and the gospel, uh, you really can't have a, a gospel without the blood of Jesus. So this morning we're gonna look at what the blood is. Have an under- so to understand the magnitude of Jesus' blood, we have to always understand what the blood represented and what it even accomplished prior to Jesus. So we're going to kind of go back in history. We're going to go back in the Old Testament. You know where the Old Testament is? It's in that. It's in that that part of your Bible that collects all the dust. We're going to look in the book of Leviticus. You're like Leviticus, What? Okay, Leviticus. And in, these were the laws. These were the commands. These were the guidelines as far as what the law was instructed. Why do we not spend so much time on the law nowadays? Because we, we say, well, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. But what we can do, we can look back at the law, and the law causes, causes to illuminate the new covenant of grace. It illuminates it. So that's like turning on the light switch. You know it, it helps us see clearer what it does, the, the, the gravity of what it meant and the significance of it. So we're going to look at Hebrews 9.22 and Leviticus 17.11. So in Hebrews 9.22, it says, in fact... The law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And if we jump over to that Leviticus seventeen eleven, it says, "For the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for ourselves on the altar." It is the blood that makes atonement for everyone's life. Now, when you think about this, you know, and I was thinking about this cleansing with blood. Now. You know, most of us say, well, I've never cleansed myself with blood, but I think it would be the equivalent of trying to clean yourself with motor oil, because we, hopefully we've, maybe some of us have done that. I don't know if you've ever cleaned yourself with blood. Hopefully not, but you know, cleaning a deer, hopefully God will, and we don't want to talk about anything. Okay. So it'd be the equivalent of motor oil, and I don't know if you've ever got motor oil. Man, it gets on everything, and you know, when you talk about cleaning with it, the point is not to get it off of you, the point is to get it on you. That's the significance of the blood. It's not to wash it away and get it far removed from you, but it's allowed the blood as you begin to cleanse, as you begin to wash, and man, now I I got it on my shirt, and and, and everywhere I touch, it just makes a mess. It covers us, and I think that that's the point when we say cleansing with the blood, it is is lavishing, it is putting up on. the, The point is not to get it away from us, but it's to get it on us. Okay, so we have to keep that in mind. So realize that in the Old Testament, the word atonement was used over and over again. And it says atonement for ourselves on the altar. So we're gonna go back, we're gonna look at the law. So the Old Testament, the word atonement actually means to cover. It means to cover one's debt. So let's say you owed, let's say a mortgage payment. So to cover somebody's debt, that means you go out to make your payment and the debt is paid in full. How many of you would be excited about that? And how many of you know when you signed on that home, when you signed to pay that mortgage, guess what? It was your problem. If you didn't pay it, they were gonna come looking for you. But what happens, it says that he atoned for what our debt was. What we we owed and what we owned and what we deserved was sin. But it says that he came and he made atonement. He covered us. You know, my kids they, you know when they were real real little they've gotten better at hiding but you know as a little kid you know they'll just jump under the cover and I can't see you so you can't see me. You know like like what that is? You know they're just hiding but it's really they're under a covering under a blanket. I can't see them but I know that they're there. We know that we're in sin but it just so happens we are covered by the blood of Jesus. When he look when God looks at us he sees the blood. He doesn't see our sin. So as we, as we look at Psalms 32, 1, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are, what is that word? Covered. That's what I want. I don't want my sins exposed. I want my sins covered. And guess what? The blood of Jesus did that. It covered our sin. That doesn't mean we are sinless, but our sin is covered. So as I unfold this, you are gonna realize the magnitude of the blood that it covers my sin. That doesn't make me perfect, but it makes me spotless and it makes me clean and it makes me righteous before God. Even when I live a hell of a life in a week, the blood still covers every aspect of my life. How many of you know sometimes you have hell in your life that has to get out? But guess what? God knew that. So he was going to cover you with the blood. Excited about this message. So when we look in the Old Testament, There's two categories of offerings or sacrifices. They kind of use those words interchangeably, an offering, a sacrifice. Now, there was two categories. One was an act of worship, which was voluntary. Voluntary, what does that mean? If you want to, right? And then mandatory means it's a requirement. There is no option, but you are required to do it. So we like, a lot of us nowadays, we like the voluntary. Hey, I'm gonna worship if I wanna worship, Right? Maybe you worship because you wanna worship or like, but like, it's the same thing, right? We're not gonna, I'm not gonna walk around. Maybe I should next Sunday walk around and say, hey, you gonna worship or what? Right, it's voluntary. It's optional. You know, we don't sit here and say, hey, you gonna lift them hands a little bit higher. You can get them hands out of your pocket. You're just gonna sit there the whole time. What are you doing? Voluntary means if you want to, right? Now, we hope we create a place of worship where you want to be involved and you wanna participate and you wanna sing and you wanna shout and you wanna dance and you wanna get excited about it. But voluntary means it's up to you. And then the other side is mandatory, required. So these were required for atonement. So let's look real quick, Leviticus chapters one, two, three, four, and 5. We're going to read all five chapters this morning, okay? Just playing, okay? So if we look at chapter 1, don't turn to it because it's going to get you. You're going to get distracted. Don't even look at it. Close your Bible. So Leviticus chapter 1, it talks about the burnt offering. So listen to what I'm saying. So in a burnt offering it is a voluntary act of worship. Now, your, your burnt offering is very close to your sin offering, but the difference is one is voluntary and one is mandatory. So when we say voluntary, this is voluntary. This is atonement for unintentional sin. This is one of those whoopsies, didn't know, didn't realize, uh-oh. You know, when I, when I look at what does this mean, this is kind of, to me, like a just-in-case I might have messed up. I might have not. I know I missed the mark. This is, you know, in general, it's, a, it's an expression of devotion, commitment, and complete surrender to God. So really what this sounds like to me is, man, that first exposure to God's presence, you know, it's releasing my, my, my trust in him. But it is, it is my voluntary act of worship, but it is an atonement for unintentional sin. So that's in chapter one. Chapter two covers grain offerings. Okay, so a grain offering was was a voluntary act of worship, um, reconciling God's recognizing God's goodness and provision and devotion to God. I hope we did that this morning. When we look at these first three, these voluntary acts of worship, showing worship to God is what worship really the, the definition of what is worship is showing worth to God. You say, well, how do we do it? Well, man, look at this Old Testament law. Expressions of devotion, committing our complete surrender to God. How about two, that grain offering, recognizing God's goodness and provision and being devoted to God, right? That's what it was. Chapter three covers the fellowship offering. So this is also a voluntary act of worship. So this focuses on thanksgiving and fellowship, and it often includes a communal meal. How about that? Taking communion, focusing on God, consecrating a meal before the Lord. Man, that sure sounds like church. So we've taken a lot of these acts of sacrificial worship and we've kind of worked those through our service. Now, if I were to stop there, you would not see the significance of the blood, right? Even though in these, there is blood required. Now, when we go a little bit further, so those first ones are expressions to God. Those are, those are really examples of modern day devotion and worship to God. Um, but let's look at number four and number five. So number four, this is when it, re- this is, this is when it goes from voluntary Mandatory. So, this is a sin offering found in chapter four of Leviticus. This is mandatory atonement for a specific unintentional sin. This is a confession of sin, forgiveness of sin, cleansing from defilement. This is where you better take care of business. This is not optional, this is required. By the law, it was required. You could not receive forgiveness without making a sin offering. There had to be a shedding of blood. There had to be a, a sacrifice made. And I'm, we're gonna look at that chapter four just a little, bit, a little bit more in depth in just a moment. But there had to be a shedding of blood. They realized that there was unintentional sin and maybe there was specific sin, and you know, but there needed to be a confession of sin that sin had to be dealt with. I think everybody knows that there's evil inside of us that has to be dealt with. You got that, amen? You realize that? You're not as good as you think you are without Jesus? Yeah, all right. So, number five it is a guilt offering. How many of you have been there? Oh, Lord. Woe is me, I come as guilty as can be. Because even when God forgives us, we can sometimes walk around with guilt. Been there? Just because we know he forgives us, we might not feel like he's forgiven us. And that's what this law provided. It's just, it's just, if you don't feel reconciled to God, guess what, you can do a guilt offering also. So what was that? That was a mandatory, mandatory atonement for unintentional sin, re- requiring restitution, cleansing from defilement, make restitution, but also paying a 20% fine. So if you cheated somebody money or you stole something, you, you pay it back with interest. That sounds like a woe is me, pity me. Hey, I gotta quit doing that, 20% on the return, right? You know, this is law stuff, right? You know, It, it focuses on, on all of these rules, all of these things, but yet sin needed to be atoned for. That's the whole focus. Sin had to be dealt with. The blood was the answer to deal with sin. If you, get, if you don't get anything, I want you to understand that. The blood is for atonement for sin. Forgiveness of sin. All right, so, the, so how do I summarize those, Pastor Noe? Because you gave me a whole history lesson and I, didn't, I don't like history. How many of you deal with, have a hard time with history, facts, and all that stuff? Me too, that's why you hardly ever hear me preach like this, so I'm working hard this morning. So let, let's break it down. So when we talk about that burnt offering, in my opinion, this ain't scholars, whatever, I felt like that that was just a just-in-case offering. I'm covering it, cleansing it, just in case, you know, Lord, you know, how many of you ever pray, even though you didn't sin, you say, Lord, I pray you forgive me of anything I might have done. I don't think I did nothing, but just in case. It's like one of those just in case. So that's kind of how, but then the sin offering was mandatory to make atonement for sin and the guilt offering was mandatory to make restitution and cleansing. It was a little bit deeper. It was a little bit more involved. So those are found in Leviticus chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and five. So if you have trouble going to sleep tonight, just start reading through those. It'll put you right out. Okay, that, that law stuff, man, it's like, oh, put you out. All right, so let's look at the sin offering just for a minute, Le- Leviticus 4, three through 12. Okay, I want you to hear what I'm saying and I want you to pay, pay attention to the details of it. But this is, this is and, and it starts, it says, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in the Lord's command, this is what he's supposed to do. The anointed priest, and, and he starts out, it says, if the anointed priest sins, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to use that one, Lord. That's like if the pastor preaches our sins, I was like, Let's, can I skip that? But I'm not going to skip that because it doesn't really matter who. If you think a pastor is sinless, you are deceived. If you think we have a one-up on you, we got more of a bullseye than we like. Let me just put it that way. There is a plan of the enemy to, to sift me just like it is to sift you. You want to have it hard? Go into ministry. Right? Okay. Let's clear that out right there. If, any, if, if an anointed priest sins, it says, bring, bringing guilt on the people. Let me preach on that just for a minute, <laughs> okay? I don't want to, but I'm gonna. So realizing those that you cover, you can release blessings or curses. It says, if the priest who is, is, who is doing this sacrifice has sinned, and what does it say? It, it says, causing, bringing guilt on all the people. So a pastor can be a blessing to your life or a pastor can be a curse to your life. What I do matters in your life because you've got to see spiritual authority as a funnel that comes from God. Or look at it as an umbrella, right? I can have that umbrella intact and I'm going to stay dry, you're going to stay dry, and it's going to be great. But I believe that you can also have that umbrella removed where all the storms of hell come against you. So... Realize that God has positioned spiritual authority over you to be a blessing, not a burden or curse. If you've ever had that, I'm sorry. That's never a pastor's agenda. That is a plan of the enemy to destroy you. But a, a man of God, a, a preacher, a, a, a priest is what it said here. You know, those submitted and surrendered to God will cause your life to be blessed. All right, let me keep moving. So it says that they're to bring a young Bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. So it says, take them to the front of the entrance, take them. So let me, let me explain what happens here. So when, when the sacrifice is brought, the bull is brought to the altar and the person that has caused the offense or grievance against God actually places their hand upon the sacrifice. But then guess what they do? You know what they do next? I'm sorry if this is a little gruesome. They slaughter it. While their hand is there, they are transferring their sin to the sacrifice through the shedding of blood. You're like, man, this is gruesome. Yeah, it was gruesome. It's gruesome dealing with sin. It, it's very costly to deal with sin. But when that blood is poured out, then what happens? It says that that blood is poured out, you know, and then the priest then takes the, blood's, the, the blood of the bull and he carries it to the tent of meeting and he, be- he begins to do these rituals, Okay. Thank God there ain't no rituals, because Pastor Noe would have messed up the rituals if I had all these rules. But what he did, he says, he dips his finger in the blood. So, he, so they take all this blood. You're like, man, this does like out of a movie. Yeah. Read your Bible. There's some cool stuff in there. All right. So they, they take the blood, and he begins to dip his finger, and he begins to sprinkle it around the tent of meeting. And guess how many times he does He does it seven times. So the, so the significance of seven means Perfection. One less, one over. I don't know what you get, but you don't get seven. So seven was the magic number of perfection. So seven times, and then he takes the rest of the blood and he pours it around the altar of sacrifice. It's costly. I'm sure that bull didn't like it that day. You're like, it's good, the bull got it. Somebody had to deal with the sin. So we're gonna segue in just a moment because we gotta realize that that sacrifice is really Jesus. So stay with me just a little bit longer. So then they, they, they take that blood, they put it around the altar, and then they take all the good stuff. They take all the good parts and, and they put it on the altar and they begin to burn it, the fat, the meat, the good stuff. And this is a fragrant aroma to God. But then look at this part. And, and this is Pastor Noe's translation of this. They take all the junk the legs, the skin, the the, the, the stuff that nobody eats, nobody does anything. They take it and guess what they do? They take it and they take it far away from the camp. Pastor Noe, give me a summary. Here's what happens. The priest has to have a perfect sacrifice, has to be spotless, has to be without defect, and then it has to be brought, okay? So then that sin is transferred from the offender to the sacrifice, and then is slaughtered by the offender, and then the priest makes restitution with the blood, sacrificing, asking for the forgiveness of sins, sprinkles it seven times, pours it on the altar, takes all the good parts, he burns it to God, he takes the bad parts, and he takes it far away from the camp, and this really symbolizes moving your sin far away from you, that's God's heart. It's not to be like, oh, okay, here's, here's forgiveness of sin here, play with it again. No, he wants to remove that thing far from your life. You say, Pastor, Noah, I deal with sin all the time. I deal with issues. Maybe it's because you don't take the junk far away from you once God forgives you. That was his plan in the law, but we're stupid. We're like, oh, this thing's been causing me to have issues. Lord, forgive me, and you pick it right back up. If this is what the enemy is using to destroy your life, you gotta get rid of it. You gotta sever yourself. Put safeguards, put something in there. Put a password on her, Only your wife knows. Husband, same thing. If your wife can't get off Facebook, fix the issue. I don't know. I wanna balance that because it's not always a guy thing. I mean, like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm going to the bottom of this pit. I'm just trying to find the end. You'll never find the end right? Whatever it is, but these things that, that these sins that so easy, it says it easily entangles us. If it easily entangles us, we got to get those things far removed from us because we're easily entangled. You know, man, I I think it's so stupid sometimes how we forget what sin costs us sometimes. Sorry, y'all getting some freebie notes here, but I think there's times where we, we go and God forgives us and we're like, Lord, thank you so much for forgiving me. You're so good. And then you're right back. You know, when, you know, true repentance is not just asking God for forgiveness, but it is a changing of your mind. It is a changing of direction and it is moving away from the sin. Better be some proactive things that you do for that to really happen in your life. Keep juggling sin and say, Lord, forgive me. I know not what I do. And you keep juggling. Jesus' blood is not the issue. Your habits, your comfort, your convenience of sin is the issue. There's nothing worth keeping in your life that causes that breaking in that relationship with God. Let me move on. As for somebody this morning. Remember we said in Hebrews 9 that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So there always has to be a shedding of blood to cover sin to get us in right standing of God. The blood has always been about purification and righteousness. That was always the goal. So let's move this message a little bit away from the Old Testament and focus on the New Testament just for a little bit. Hebrews 13, 11 through 12, it says, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. So we're just talking about the same thing. They removed it far from, da, 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 okay, so on, so on. Verse 12, and Jesus also suffered, outside the city gates to make people holy through his own blood. So we're segueing here right now. We're gonna look at the sacrifice of the law, but we're gonna look at the sacrifice of the New Testament, which was Jesus. That word holy, it says holy through his own blood. That word holy in verse 12 means to make holy. It means signifying to set apart for God. It means to sanctify. It's, it's, it's putting a mark on your life. When God sees you, it says, this is mine. Man, if some of you just get that revelation. When God calls you, he doesn't just call you, but he says, this one is mine. This one has the mark of my son. This one has the blood of Jesus covering him from all his wickedness and, 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 and lawless acts. So we have to realize that one time, Jesus sacrificed for the full atonement of sin. Then this, what, what happened, it satisfied God's wrath. Forever. You know, it says, for the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it wasn't that God was a bad guy. He was just required to do what he said he would do. Let me, let me give you one more nugget. Did you, you realize that hell was not created for sinners? It says that it was actually created for the devil and his angels. So guess what? While he's spiraling down there, he's trying to grab as many of us as he can and drag us with him. So understand, God's heart was never, he didn't create hell for you and me. He sent Jesus for you and me. He created created hell for the devil and his angels. I can't reference that scripture. Pastor Jim, you can look it up. It's in there. It wasn't in my notes, so I ain't got it in here. Right? But that's what he did. Jesus was the final sacrifice he was the perfect sacrifice he was spotless he was sinless so we have to realize we were guilty of a debt we could not pay and jesus said i'll cover it i'll pay it in full hebrews 4:15 it says For we do not have a high priest, so this is talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every single way. So you may say, Jesus had it easier than us. That's not what that says. It says that Jesus was tempted in every single way, just as we are, dun, 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 let me build the suspense, but yet he did not sin. So this morning, if you say, well, Jesus sinned, you're not reading your Bible, It says he did not sin. He was tempted in every single way, but yet he was sinless. He was spotless. He was perfect. Why? Because he had to be. You can't bring a blemished, broken, unperfect sacrifice. You know, if you brought it to the priest, it would be rejected. Had to be perfect. Had to be spotless. Had to be sinless. Well, how did that happen? It just so happens. That's how the Holy Spirit did it. Sent it sent, you know, impregnated by the by the Holy Spirit to a virgin. It was all God, all man. I don't know, it's a God thing. But they knew that God had to become human, took on all flesh to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. Can you imagine slaughtering the lamb with your sin? when we willfully choose sin. It's like doing it over and over again. Lord, I'm sorry, I don't see that that clear. It's like over and over re-crucifying Christ when we willfully choose to continually sin because that's not what the blood was for. The blood was for our sanctification and purification. And he said, go and sin no more, not keep playing in your sin, but to go far away and let my sin do its saving work. He was spotless, he was perfect. Are you guys ready to follow me with these Hebrews 10 scriptures? I'm gonna need you to follow me on the scripture, Hebrews 1 through 14, in pro presenter, awesome. All right, I'm gonna read you a bunch of passage real quick. It's gonna be Hebrews 10, one through 14. Starting in verse 10, it says, the law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it, it can never by the same sacrifice repeated in this year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Verse two, otherwise they would have not stopped being ordered. If, if the old way of doing it worked, we would still be slaughtering all kinds of animals today. That's what it's saying. We don't, have, we don't need to do that anymore. We got a new sacrifice, all right? It says, otherwise it would not have stopped. For the worship, worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty of their sin. But listen to verse three. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin, not a forgiving of sin. You know, I'm sure when you're dragging that sacrifice, you're, just, mm, well, there goes Pastor Noah again taking another lamb. Wonder what he did. Like, thank God I ain't got to do that. Like, where are you going? Don't ask. You just walk. Imagine, here he goes again. Like, how many sheep you got? I don't know. God's giving me as many as I need. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'd be like the walk of shame, right? It says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. All right? Stick with me. It says, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am, it is written to me in a scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So this is Jesus kind of talking back and forth. It says, for he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. So you got all this back history from the, from the Old Testament. So this is what it's talking about. It says, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. What is he saying here? He's taking the focus off of the law and putting it back on Jesus. He says, quit looking over here, look over here. So it says, he set aside the first to establish the second. He had a new, better way. And it says, and by that will, we have been made holy. Listen to this, verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. Listen to this, oh, once, For all. Let me keep going because it keeps getting good. Day after day, every priest stands and performs these religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away the sin. So he keeps going back. You can do it this way. It doesn't going to work. But this this way is even a better way. This is the right way. It says, but when this priest, which is referring to Jesus, had offered for all one sacrifice for sin, he now sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemy to be made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice, he is made perfect, complete uh, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus has done everything that he needed to do. His blood was poured out for the sins of the world. And now he's sitting right next to Father God and we're all freaking out. But he's, he's in the lazy boy. He's just hanging out. He's waiting for the time where God comes back and he, the trumpet blasts and, and it's finished. finished. But he's already done everything that he needs to do till Jesus comes back for you and I in this life. So realize that word perfect means complete, whole, without blemish. It refers to someone who is blameless. I've never been called blameless. I mean, you may say today, right now, in the last five minutes. but uh, Man, blameless. That God sees me as Blameless. But it says, "For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy." First John one seven it says, "The blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sins." I know I'm giving you about a million scriptures, but you have to understand what the word says. God wanted us to get it that there would be no confusion what the blood did. Second Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The blood of Jesus did this. We became righteous to God through Jesus. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Jesus. deep down we all know we're guilty you know I, I always you know it says at the end all of the things that were hidden are going to be exposed I hope God takes me to a back room away from all of y'all and I think we'd all expect to say like Lord like but but listen listen to this so let, let me let me explain to you a little bit of, of what this coming judgment according to scholars and what little I know because I'm not God But do you realize that the righteousness in Christ are gonna be judged different than the heathen? Because he sees me in the righteousness of Christ, not as my sins deserve. So guess what? Everything washed and covered by the blood, I'm not judged for. Hold up, pastor. Sign me up. You for real? Yeah. Now the heathen, shame on them because there's no covering. Everything is laid bare and exposed. There's no covering, there's no Jesus. Why is the gospel important? Because without Jesus, you're just guilty. But why did we need Jesus? Because we needed blood. We needed to be covered. We all needed forgiveness of sin, all right? Notice that passage says, he now sits at the right hand of God. What does that, what does that confirm? That he didn't stay in that grave. He was dead and buried, and in three days rose. And what what does it say the gospel is? Proving he was the son of God. Proving that's who he was. The blood purifies. You have to realize it's something that is already done We become the righteousness of God through Jesus. Hebrews 8, 12, it says, and I will forgive their wickedness. This is God God saying this. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will will remember their sins no more. I love that one. You know, uh, man, it's it's tough raising a son and finding the perfect balance of grace and discipline. But there was something I had to deal with and I told him, I said, son, today's gonna be bad because you are gonna feel the weight of your choice. But you know what I told him that evening? I said, son, tomorrow morning, grace and mercy will be new. And that's God's heart towards you. You know, if we don't feel the pain of our choices, sometimes, you know, often we will not change. Sometimes God's grace is giving you what you deserve. Because his heart, his his focus is to redeem your heart towards his. If you're comfortable, you don't change. Amen? If your pants are on fire, you're going to move a little bit. It's going to happen. But his heart is to turn you to his heart. Even if he wounds you just a little bit to do that, it's always worth it. But his grace and his mercy is new every single day. It says, I will remember their sins no more. It's not that God has a bad memory. He chooses to not remember. Wish I could do that. Delete, delete. We hold grudges. We remember. Oh, I remember that guy, right? We, we keep a scorecard. When Jesus was crucified on the cross and the blood was spilled out, he no longer held it against us forgave us of everything we've done, everything we're doing, everything we will do. So in an essence, the blood is good enough for the rest of your life. It's like the best insurance policy you will ever sign up for. What does it cover? Everything. There's no loophole. No, everything. What if I mess up? Everything, right? It covers all of it. What if I'm really stupid one day? all of it it covers it right but but understand don't abuse the blood apply the blood it's a hard word i could preach on that one for a while we're guilty of that when we say oh we got a bad day and it is what it is god will forgive me and i pray god convicts your heart if that's your approach God wants you to focus on the blood of Jesus, but the devil wants you to focus on your sin. Let, let me talk about that just for a minute. The devil's always gonna bring, out, bring back up what you did. So understand the plan of the enemy is to, 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 to entice you as far away from the cross as possible to make you forget where you've come from. And if he can isolate you, he can deceive you, he can lie to you. And then if you believe that lie, you took the bait. But he wants you to focus on, his, on, on your sin. God wants you to focus on the blood. Who you are. Because if you understand who you are and whose you are and what the blood has done, you say, uh uh-uh. That ain't who I am. That might be who I am apart from the blood, but I've applied that blood. I'm all smeared with it. It's everywhere. And let the blood fight for you. The blood of Jesus dealt with the sin issue for us. Don't let the devil weaken the blood of Jesus and convince you otherwise. What does that mean, Pastor Noe? If you have ever felt this lying voice that says you have went too far, you have done too much, and God does not love you anymore, you have went too far, that is a lie from the pit of hell. I was talking to an individual uh, this last week, and I and I said, uh, I said, man, you know, the, the the road away from God is man. It's a long road. Have you know, if you've ever been there? You know, it's a long way away from God. You know how easy it is to get back. As soon as you turn around, God is right there. The road away from God is long, but the road back is quick. First Peter one two it says, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Listen to this, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit works our sanctification out when we are obedient to what God has called us to do. We are sprinkled with that blood. How many times, Pastor Noah? I think seven. Not He didn't fall short. He didn't overshoot it. He was the perfect mark. Perfect. The blood purifies. Now let me tell you something. You realize that's already done? It's already done. You don't have to do anything. Just sit there. If God's sitting right there to the right hand of God and he's not freaking out, you don't freak out. He's done everything he needs to do. You just gotta receive it, accept it. So the blood purifies. That's an already done work. The Holy Spirit sanctifies, but that is the process of us becoming, being made holy. Now, that doesn't mean we aren't God. That just means we start acting better because that's the goal, right? You know, it's not to be perfect, but man, hopefully we start leaning towards the things that God loves and saying, oh, no, that's the old man and I keep it crucified. And, you know, you've had that battle, right? Being made holy, being made in the likeness with the thoughts and the heart and and the desires and motives of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does, which we'll look a little bit at that uh, next week. But Hebrews four sixteen it says, then this is what our response is. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I've heard so many people that I've talked to, they don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they can come before God, that they got to do all of this ritual stuff before they come. Guess what? The price has already been paid. So we just come on in. It's like Mama's house. Just go in, don't knock. Depending on who your mom is, you might want to let her know you're coming. But I mean, it, it's it's just if the door, you know, if the door's flung wide open. Come on in. The price has already been paid. Come boldly before His throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Some of you can't get get that. You're still stuck. You're saying, "Well, Pastor, no, you don't. No, you don't understand the blood. You're still caught up with what you can do. It didn't matter what you did." Jesus did more than enough for you. That's why salvation is so cool. You mean I get that? And I just got to give up, surrender, and give my life to Jesus? You know, even if you were selfish this morning, to just look out, look at what you could get out of Christianity, it's a no-brainer to me. But there's so much more to this relationship with Jesus. But it's the cross of where Jesus started and ended his victory. Had to go to the cross, had to be slaughtered, had to be crucified. You know, all of these things were fulfillments of prophecy. Why did it have to happen that way? Well, the law said this is what was gonna happen. And then if you look at the Old Testament and you map it with the New Testament, all of the New Testament things were promised in the Old Testament. They just came to pass in the New Testament. God was a very detailed God. He never misses the mark. So as I was thinking, I said, Lord, so who are we? What do we look like? What have you called me to? This is what I believe his word is for me and his word is for you. I am blood bought. I'm Holy Ghost taught. I am redeemed. I've been set free. Sin, you no longer define me, but I'm a child of the King. Worthy and welcomed into his presence. I am who the word says I am and I claim all of his benefits for my life. And this is made possible because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Did you get that? I'm gonna try to read it again without breaking apart over here. Because this is for me too. This isn't just for you. This is for all of us. I've been blood bought. I'm Holy Ghost taught. I am redeemed. I have been set free. Sin you no longer define me, but I'm a child of the King, worthy and welcomed to come into his presence. I am who the word says I am, and I claim all of his benefits for my life. And all of this is made possible because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. It's all about what he's done for us. And for you to say, God doesn't love me. Why would a God, <laughs> look what he did. You're just, fo- you, the world is focusing on the things that the devil wants them to focus on. Because when I look at what Jesus did, how can I blame God of being selfish and not caring about humanity? But yet he sent his one and only son to die for me. That seems pretty Selfless. Cause I tell you what, if God tells me to sacrifice Samuel for any of y'all, I'ma have to hear from God. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like I think, think, think of that. That's a hard ask. But God did it. Stand to your feet. I'm gonna close this morning. This this is where I feel like God wants us to go. This morning, if you're carrying guilt, you know who you are. You're already like, man, I feel like man. I don't know why I'm not encouraged. I don't. I feel more discouraged, and you know, I just, all you can see is your your stupid sin right here, and you can't get past that. God wants to change that today. If you're feeling guilty, let us say you you're you're feeling shame, you're you're dealing with sin, you feel dirty. I know. Yesterday, I worked hard all day. I was just ready for a shower. But if the weight of sin is covering you and you say, Pastor Noe, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna invite you to come and wash yourself in the blood. Man, get that stuff everywhere. Let it saturate you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Get that thing in between your toes. I don't know, whatever it takes to allow the blood to cover everything. Because anything that the blood is applied to, it's forgiven. It's forgiven. If that's you this morning and you already know, you're like, man, I'm ready, tell me to come on. You can go ahead and move from your seat and come on up. If this word is for you and you're saying, no, I just need the blood to do its full work. Maybe it's over your mind. You're like, man, pastor, you don't understand. When I go to sleep, I have nightmares. I can't focus, I can't sleep. There's no peace of my mind. The blood can saturate that. Say, man, I slept like a baby, pastor. I don't know what happened. The blood, (laughs) Maybe you leave life and health and wholeness in your body. Well, guess what? I wanna inject his blood into my veins. Through his blood and his sacrifice. But today, God wants to cover you through Jesus. He wants to wash you in the blood of Jesus. You know, scripture says that God is slow to anger and quick to forgive. You know how hard it is? Let me, let me just, get, I'm sorry. Man, to discipline my son in a way that honors God. It hurt me to discipline. That was probably the first time I got to that place You know where they make the joke, son, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. Like now I know I'm like saying, Lord, deal with this heart, change him. But man, it broke me to break my son. But I know if, if we can cause this breaking to happen in our hearts and allow God's power to penetrate our hearts, we can be forever changed and ever healed. It's like a splinter. You got to get the splinter out before it can heal. That's what God wants to do in your life today. If you're saying, Pastor, I need, I need a touch today, maybe you're at that place that I don't know what to do. <laughs> you just come to the cross. God knows what to do. Jesus knew what to do. And guess what? His Holy Spirit does a completed work in our hearts. John 1, or 1 John 1, 7 through 10 says, but if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us from all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. So the question is not, have you sinned? The question is, do you realize you are a sinner (laughs) in need of the blood of Jesus? But this morning, there is power in the blood. Anybody else? You remember I talked about voluntary versus mandatory. Guys, this one's mandatory. This ain't a freebie if you feel like it, if you want it. If you have not been covered by the blood of Jesus, you've got to do that today. Because if Jesus came back right now and you are not covered by the blood, you will be judged according to your sin. But if I'm clothed by the blood of Jesus, I am covered and I'm judged according to Jesus' righteousness. Thank God. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to dismiss you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for your blood. God, I thank you for sending Jesus for me, for each of us. Lord, I thank you that your blood was good enough to cover us. (laughs) Father, not a day goes by that I don't think about the cross and I don't think about the blood And Father, I can't help but have a heart of gratitude. But Father, today, unless your blood covers us and unless your blood goes with us, we can't make it. So Father, we rest in the power of the blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's anyone else here that wants prayer, the altar's open. If you're up here this morning and, and, and you want a team, we got a prayer team available, if you say, you know what, I want somebody to pray with me, can you just lift your hand? Say, I want somebody to pray in agreement with me, those that are already up front. Okay, got one right here. If not, if you're just, if you're getting your stuff right with the Lord, then that's fine. But if you say, I want someone to agree with me, I want somebody to place their hands on me and agree with me, we got prayer teams available. Anybody else? Right here. So I'm gonna commission you with what Jesus said. He says, your sins have been forgiven, but go and sin no more. So what does that mean? You can leave your sin at the altar and it never again plague you. Or you can pick it up, throw it over your shoulder, and take it back right where you came from. But at the altar is where the blood was shed to forgive all sin and all iniquity. Amen. We got to understand the gospel, we got to understand the blood. But guess what? Next week, we're going to see the importance. Of having the Holy Spirit because if we don't have the Holy Spirit it's like not having the key for the car we got to have it to make things run right so hey I love you you guys be blessed if you're staying for the new membership class that's happening right now following the service go straight down the hallway all the way straight if there's any specific prayer requests that uh, maybe we didn't, you said, man, there was something I came this morning for and I didn't get prayer for it. The altar's open. Just come forward and just raise your hand and we we can get a prayer team to pray with you. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for worshiping with us today.